0: As the Rector of St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, may I welcome you very warmly to this service. These acts of worship include readings, prayers and sermons that have been newly recorded, together with congregational hymns and choir items drawn from our extensive archive of recorded music. I shall be offering this act of worship on your behalf. So please join your prayers with mine. May the light and hope of Christ be with us all as our worship begins. Jesus said, To those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. very warm welcome to St Bride's, to our choral Eucharist, on this, the second Sunday before Advent. Wherever you are in the world, and however you're listening to us, we hope that you will feel that you are very much part of the St Bride's family. We begin with our opening prayer. Let us pray. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Jesus said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is close at hand. So let us turn away from sin and turn to Christ, confessing our sins in penitence and faith. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour, in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, Amen. Heavenly Father, whose blessed Son was revealed to destroy the works of the devil and to make us the children of God and heirs of eternal life, grant that we, having this hope, may purify ourselves even as he is pure, that when he shall appear in power and great glory, we may be made like him in his eternal and glorious kingdom. Where he is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.
1: The Old Testament reading is taken from the prophet Zephaniah, chapter 1, beginning at the seventh verse Be silent before the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is at hand. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice. He has consecrated his guests. At that time I will search Jerusalem with lamps, and I will punish the people who rest complacently on their dregs. Those who say in their hearts, The Lord will not do good, nor will he do harm. Their wealth shall be plundered, and their houses laid waste. Though they build houses, they shall not inhabit them. Though they plant vineyards, they shall not drink wine from them. The great day of the Lord is near, near and hastening fast. The sound of the day of the Lord is bitter. The warrior's cries aloud there. That day will be the day of wrath, a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. A day of trumpet blast and battle cry against the fortified cities and against the lofty battlements. I will bring such distress upon people that they shall walk like the blind. Because they have sinned against the Lord, their blood shall be poured out like dust, and their flesh like dung. Neither their silver nor their gold will be able to save them on the day of the Lord's wrath. In the fire of his passion the whole earth shall be consumed. For a full, a terrible end he will make of all the inhabitants of the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
2: The epistle is taken from Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 5, beginning at the first verse. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers and sisters, you do not need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. When they say there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them, as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and there will be no escape. But you, beloved, are not in darkness, For that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light and children of the day. We are not of the night or of darkness. So then, let us not fall asleep as others do. But let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who are drunk get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober and put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has destined us not for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up each other, as indeed you are doing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
3: Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Jesus told the people a parable. For it is as if a man, going on a journey, summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, To another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. enter into the joy of your master then the one who had received the one talent also came forward saying master i knew that you were a harsh man reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed so i was afraid and i went and hid your talent in the ground here you have what is yours but his master replied You wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow, and gather where I did not scatter. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him, and give it to the one with the ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given." and they will have an abundance. But for those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the Gospel of the Lord.
0: In the name of the living God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, Amen. As we do our best to survive yet another phase of the present pandemic and all the chaos and uncertainty that has been created in its wake, I'm reminded of another recent global catastrophe that sent shockwaves throughout the wealthy nations of the world and turned many lives and many of our assumptions completely upside down. Namely, the global financial crisis of 2007 to 2008, when a period of excessive risk-taking by banks and the bursting of the US housing bubble led to financial meltdown, plummeting stock markets and an international debt crisis. This took place before I came to St Bride's, so I've no idea how it impacted upon the lives of individual congregation members here at the time. But certainly in my previous parish, I found myself dealing with more than one weeping, distraught and desperate parishioner. They had seen investments that they believed to be secure vanish overnight and some local family businesses that dated back generations were forced to close almost overnight. It was a heartrending time for very many people. And in the depths of that crisis, I found myself one Sunday having to preach on today's gospel reading, the parable of the talents. I have to say, Even in its own terms, it is a pretty startling, if not outrageous, story. But in those particular circumstances, to call it challenging was something of an understatement. Let me remind you of the story that it tells. A wealthy master heads off on a journey, dividing his money between three of his slaves in accordance with what he perceives to be the ability of each one of them. To the first, he gives the massive sum of five talents. That slave goes off and trades with the money and makes five more with it. To the second, he gives two talents. He too goes off and trades with it and generates A further two talents. But the third slave, who is given just one talent, goes and digs a hole and buries the money. A long time later the master returns and summons his slaves to find out what they have done with his money. The first of them, who had traded and made five more talents, is praised for being good and trustworthy and is rewarded by being put in charge of many things. The same happens to the second slave who traded with his two talents and made two more. But then we come to the unfortunate third slave who had buried his talent, hiding it in the ground. By any normal human reckoning, The master's response to this discovery seems savage, unwarranted, and completely unjust, not least because the wretched slave reveals that the reason why he buried his master's talent was because he was terrified. I knew you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed, so I was afraid. And not only does the master castigate the unfortunate slave mercilessly, describing him as wicked and lazy, and telling him that he should have invested his money with the bankers before ordering him to be thrown into the outer darkness, but he then takes the one talent from him and gives it to the first slave, who already has ten talents, saying that, to all who have... More will be given, and they will have abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. You can just imagine the original listeners to this parable looking at one another in disbelief at the appalling injustice of this story. Surely faith should be on the side of the poor and the vulnerable and the marginalised. Why should those who have nothing be punished and the wealthy rewarded with more? And of course, in the context of the global financial crisis, that parable seemed even more scandalous. At the time, many people must have been thinking, if only we had had the sense to keep our life savings in a biscuit tin, then at least that money would have been safe as the banks and the financial organisations imploded. Surely the slave who buried the talent was the only one who actually got it right. At least his talent was safe and returned to the master intact. So what on earth is going on here? As always, Jesus is telling us a story that is designed to shock us into paying attention. And once he has got our attention and left us stunned and outraged, we can then step back and start to work out what he is really talking about. Because, as is so often the case, Jesus is telling a story about one thing in order to shed light upon something else. He is telling a story about money to shed light on a truth that is not actually to do with money at all. Rather, it seems to me, it is all about the life of faith. Let's now revisit that story, but this time take the money out of the parable and instead substitute something else. Love. Let us imagine that, like the master in the story, Christ is offering to each one of us the gift of love before departing from our sight and leaving it up to us to decide what to do with it. The first two slaves take that gift of love out into the world and put it to good use. Now, there are, of course, risks attached to doing that. To offer love to another, to put love to work, can be a difficult and sometimes a precarious thing to do. It exposes us to the risk of rejection. It may require of us a level of commitment that we are reluctant to embrace. We may find ourselves having to respond in love to someone who has treated us badly perhaps the last person on earth whom we would wish to reach out to. And yet, that is what our Lord asks of us, to put his gift of love to work. You see, the really interesting thing about love is that it is never, ever wasted. When it is put to good use, things happen its effects can only ever grow, never reduce. Even if we do not have the luxury of seeing instant results, we can trust with absolute confidence that every gesture of love, each kind word, every act of reaching out in compassion and support really can and really does make a difference however imperceptible that difference might appear. To take love out into the world can be costly, and, as I mentioned a moment ago, there are risks attached to it. But love grows. It grows outwards and upwards, and it touches lives and transforms them, and it generates more love as it goes. To those who have love, more will indeed be given. Let's now think about the opposite scenario. Just suppose we were entrusted with that same precious gift of love, but not only did we do nothing with it, we actually hid it. We concealed it in the darkness so that it remained isolated, and unseen by others and by ourselves. And we did so because we were afraid. We were afraid of what might happen if we let it out. Then that gift of love can not only go nowhere, but it is squandered and in time it will be lost completely. And even what we have will be taken away. Seen in this light, that strange, perplexing parable told by Jesus begins to make perfect sense, to me at least, because ours is a God of love who deals in love, but it is a love that is costly. There is a wonderful poem by Janet Rand called simply Risk, which some of you may have heard me quote before, but it really does warrant telling and retelling. Perhaps in the final line of this poem, we might consider what it would sound like if we were to substitute the word risks with the word loves. The poem Risk by Janet Rand. To laugh is to risk appearing the fool. To weep is to risk being called sentimental. To reach out to another is to risk involvement. To expose feelings is to risk showing your true self. To place your ideas and your dreams before the crowd is to risk being called naive. To love is to risk not being loved in return. To live is to risk dying. To hope is to risk despair. To try is to risk failure. But risks must be taken because the greatest risk in life is to risk nothing. The person who risks nothing, does nothing, has nothing, is nothing, and becomes nothing. He may avoid suffering and sorrow, but he simply cannot learn, feel, change, grow. Or love. Chained by his certitude, he is a slave. He has forfeited his freedom. Only the person who risks is truly free. Amen. Let us now stand and affirm our faith We acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come.
4: Amen. Let us pray. At the end of each prayer, I will say, Lord for the years, would you please respond? We give you thanks. So. Lord for the years. Thanks. At the end of each prayer, I will say, Lord for the years. Would you please respond? We give you thanks. So, Lord for the years. Thanks.
5: Lord of the morning, we ask you to hear the prayers we offer. We ask your blessing on Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip as they celebrate their 73rd wedding anniversary on November the 20th. We pray for Alison, our rector, and Jeff, our associate priest, and for all involved at St Bride's who have enabled us, through technology, to come together both locally and further afield during these difficult and challenging months. We pray for our families and friends who share in our happiness and tears. Watch over those who are separated from us, who we are not able to see. May the gift of your Holy Word be a lantern at our feet, a light to our paths and a strength to our lives. Lord
4: for the years, we give you thanks.
5: We pray For all who are in positions of responsibility and leadership, both internationally and in our own country, at this challenging time in our history. Healing God, walk with the weak and frightened, all who are suffering in any way or whose world has fallen apart because they feel unwanted and are generally in a dark place. May they find you there with them and draw hope and courage from your presence. Help us to help them where we can.
4: Lord for the years, we give you thanks.
5: As we gather together in a moment of silence, we think of all who are in special need of our prayers, and those who have no one to pray for them. God of the spirits, receive the souls of those departed from their earthly life. Give them the life that knows no age, the good things that do not pass away and rest in your eternal kingdom.
4: Lord for the years, we give you thanks.
5: Lord of the seasons, in the gradual shortening of days, We thank you for the gift of autumn leaves turning to gold and red, for the beauty and hope in the change of season as we reach for you from our quiet places. May we stand still and listen to the rain, watch the play of sunlight and shadow on the leaves. We thank you for this earth, quiet places and stillness from which we still reach out to each other.
4: Lord, for the years, we give you thanks. We say together, merciful Father, accept, accept these, these prayers, prayers for, for the sake, sake of, of your Son, Son
5: our, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.
0: Will you please stand? To crown all things there must be love, to bind all things together and complete the whole. Let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. The peace of the Lord be always with you. It is indeed right, it is our duty and our joy, at all times and in all places, to give you thanks and praise, Holy Father, Heavenly King, Almighty and Eternal God, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. And now we give you thanks, that he is the King of glory, who overcomes the sting of death and opens the kingdom of heaven to all believers. He is seated at your right hand in glory, and we believe that he will come to be our judge. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we proclaim your great and glorious name, forever praising you and singing. Through him, and with him, and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, with all who stand before you in earth and heaven, we worship you, Father Almighty, in songs of everlasting praise. Blessing and honour and glory and power be yours forever and ever. Amen. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, Forever and ever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. We do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercy. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord, whose nature is always to have mercy, Let us pray. Gracious Lord, in this holy sacrament, you give substance to our hope. Bring us at the last to that fullness of life for which we long through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, Christ our King, make you faithful and strong to do his will, that you may reign with him in glory. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always.
2: Amen.